Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 298 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, I want to talk specifically about single stocks and individual stocks, right? Uh, I think it's important for us to talk about because uh, I talk to you all the time about the fact that, yes, I do own individual stocks. Yes, I do think it can be okay to own individual stocks, but I want you to be weighing the pros and cons because uh, this is not necessarily uh, the best way to go about building wealth over the long term for everyone. And I want you guys to understand uh, what the most sure path is. And then if individual stocks are a part of your process, uh, then being able to uh, pick them and uh, invest in them over the long term in an effective way. That's what I hope for you. So stick around for a discussion of all that and more in today's episode. Before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions. And you and I can begin working together, pushing towards your long term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual who watches or listens to this show on a day to day basis. Now, I've told you time and time and time again, the stock market is a great place to build wealth over the long term. It has been historically, and it looks to continue to be that over a long period of time. Because uh, if you can buy a a pool of America, if you can buy uh, a large swath of companies uh, that are going to be innovative, that are going to be the best at what they do, that are going to be some of the largest in the world eventually, uh, and allow those companies to grow in your portfolio over a long period of time and make the type of returns that they will provide their shareholders, uh, then you should make good returns on your money over a long period of time and be able to build some wealth in the stock market. Now, the question is not, can you build wealth in the stock market? We know this is the case. Okay, the question is, how should you try to go about building wealth in the stock market? Right. So we start with talking about, you know, hey, just buy the universe, buy the market, buy uh, the S&P 500, buy the Russell 2000, buy uh, some Vanguard total market uh, index, buy something like that. Right. Uh, And those all come in the form of mutual funds or ETFs. Right. You can buy these large funds. Uh, that will allow you to be well diversified and not have to worry so much about what specifically you're invested in over a long period of time. And that can be very effective. That can be be perfectly fine for many people. Uh, I think most people should at least engage in that type of investing in some way, shape, or form uh, along their journey. But that doesn't have to be everything that you do. Now, if it is, uh, you can absolutely uh, make great returns over a long period of time and build some substantial wealth. But uh, if you want to get greater returns, if you want to uh, take a little more risk, if you want to uh, take a little more control of your investing life, what you may choose to do is buy single stocks. Okay. Now, there is inherent risk to purchasing single stocks, no doubt. Okay. Uh, but There is also inherent reward if you can do it properly, if you can do it in a way uh, that will allow you to make money over a long period of time. Now, 
Is this a perfect science? No. Am I going to give you every single tip as to uh, how you can perfectly pick single stocks in your portfolio? No, because there is no perfect. But there are some principles. There are some things that if you understand them and you can put them into practice, you can be better off for it and you can be a better investor over a long period of time. Okay. So while there are many factors to consider when it comes to your investing, like the amount of time that you have uh, to dedicate to your investing or maybe your tax planning needs, uh, whatever, right? You still have to make a choice. You still have to make a choice as to what am I going to invest in? How am I going to go about investing? Am I going to be extremely passive? And am I going to be a little more active with the way I choose my investments and picking individual stocks can be uh, a very active endeavor. Now, that kind of brings me to one of my first points is that we don't want picking individual stocks to be too active an endeavor. Okay. We don't want to get to the world of day trading because we know that the vast majority of day traders lose money. And we don't want to be people who lose money over a long period of time. We want to be growing our money. Okay. So we want to remain long-term investors. We want to have uh, a fundamental viewpoint of what things are worth, uh, what things values are, uh, and then be able to uh, ascribe a particular um, you know, price that we think uh, a particular asset should be worth at a given time, and then uh, buy if the particular asset's currently selling for less than that particular price that you think uh, a company is worth when we're talking about single stocks. So it is very important that we keep a long-term view and a good fundamental view of our investments, even if we're picking things that may be a little more risky inherently. Now, why are single stocks more risky? If you have 500 stocks in an index, what is the likelihood that all 500 of those stocks will go away? Not very high, right? But if you have one single stock, right, that stock just, that one has to go away, right? And so the likelihood of that one going away versus the 500 uh, or even more than 500, uh, it, there's a much greater chance for the one to go away, right? So uh, there is some risk inherent there. Not to mention, right, you're talking about one company uh, in one particular sector, even though, you know, some companies, they do things that are, um, you know, across different sectors like Amazon or Apple or things like that, right? Uh, you can't just peg them to a particular industry. Uh, but you're talking about one specific company that does one set of things versus the universe of companies uh, that do a wide array of things. Uh, and those things can be uncorrelated with one another in making money over a long period of time, right? Which can be important, right? If we want to, uh, you know, hedge some risk, right? You would want uh, asset returns that are not correlated with one another. But if you just own one stock, right, that one stock is 100% correlated with itself, right? And so whichever way it moves, it's going to move. And so if it goes up a lot, then you may beat the market by a lot. But if it goes down a lot, then you may lose to the market by quite a bit because of your lack of diversification there. So basically your risk uh, is associated with the fact that um, you are investing in one thing and not investing in a group of things uh, that together uh, can hedge against something going wrong, a company uh, defaulting, a stock price plunging, uh, any number of things uh, occurring in that particular way, a sector uh, not performing well, right? You get the picture. So let's just talk uh, about what are our pros, what are our cons of holding single stocks, okay? We know they're a little more risky. We know that they uh, may require a little more activity and attention on our part, right? But what are the pros of holding them? 
When buying individual stocks, you see reduced fees. You no longer have to pay the fund company an annual management fee for investing your assets. Instead, you pay a fee when you buy the stock and one when you sell it, which this isn't even the case in many brokerage firms now because now you're uh, looking at um, you know zero transaction cost trading. But uh, you know you go to you know a place like Robinhood and they are selling order flow, so you are paying uh, in the way of the bid ask spread and um, the price at which you actually uh, get your market orders um, executed at. But nonetheless, um, there are transaction fees associated. Uh, when you buy the stock, when you sell it. Uh, but those can be very small compared to uh, some of the management fees of a fund company. The rest of the time when you're investing uh, in individual stocks, there are no additional costs, right? The longer you hold the stock, the lower your cost of ownership is. Since fees have a big impact on your return, this alone is a good reason to own individual stocks. And that is uh, no doubt, right? That That is 100% true because as long as I'm holding a, a mutual fund, as long as I'm holding an ETF, and paying uh, some expense ratio or paying some fees to that particular company, uh, then those fees, as small as they may end up being, uh, can eat away at my returns, right? I'll give you this example uh, because it is very relevant in the market today, and I think uh, it's something that uh, we should definitely look at. So think about uh, Kathy Wood, right? Kathy Wood runs uh, ARK Invest, right? And the ARK innovation ETF is like the, the crown jewel, right? The one that really uh, just blew up last year. And so if you look at the information about uh, the ARK ETF, uh, you'll find that the expense ratio is 0.75%. Okay. So in layman's terms, what that means is uh, based on the assets under management, they are going to make 0.75% per year on the assets under management in that particular fund. Now you compare this uh, with something like uh, the Vanguard 500 index, um, the mutual fund, right? The mutual fund uh, has an expense ratio of 0.04%, right? But then if you just look at the ETF version, uh, which is VOO, uh, you look at the, the ETF and it has an expense ratio of 0 0.03. Okay, so uh, the expense ratio of the ARK Invest um, ETF is 25 times as much as the uh, expense ratio of uh, the VOO, the Vanguard 500 uh, index ETF. And then you have uh, you know companies like Fidelity that offer zero fee uh, mutual funds that track the S&P 500 and things of the like, right? So you can get to almost zero fees when it comes to uh, fund investing. But nonetheless, uh, many, 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 many uh, of your mutual funds, your ETFs are going to have some form uh, of fee that occurs every single uh, year. But with individual stocks, you just really don't have those types of fees anymore uh, at all. Again, that's not to say that you, you have to have them with uh, fund investing. But let's say you wanted to involve yourself in some actively managed funds like ARK Invest, you're likely going to pay for those, right? Those aren't going to be uh, the cheapest of the cheap in the way of in investing transaction costs because uh, the managers want to be paid for the extra return that they're going to provide you. Okay. So lower fees can be, um, you know, helpful, but I don't think it's a huge deal in the world of low fees today. Then you understand what you own when you pick out the stock, right? You have complete control of what you're invested in and when you make that investment, right? Um, I think this is a, this is a big part of buying individual stocks. Uh, if you're doing it properly, right? You actually know what you own. 
if you're doing it properly. Again, a lot of people don't do this properly. A lot of people don't know what they own. They don't pay attention uh, to what's going on in the underlying company. They just hear a bunch of news and hear a bunch of people buying stuff and they go buy it, right? But if you actually do your research, you know what you own, uh, you can have better control over your investments instead of just pouring money in systematically into uh, some funds that you may invest in, which again, is perfectly fine and will make you plenty of money over a long period of time. But if you're trying to maximize, you're trying to do the most that you can absolutely do uh, in order to maximize your investment in the stock market, then you will end up uh, looking towards individual stocks, buying individual stocks to have that type of control that you ultimately may want uh, because that control can be very valuable and can allow you to make great returns uh, better than those of funds over a long period of time if done properly. Then another pro of holding single stocks is that it's easier to manage the taxes on your individual stocks. You're in charge of when you sell, so you control the timing of taking your gains or losses. When you invest in a mutual fund, the fund determines when to take the gains or losses and when you are assigned your portion of the gains. Uh, this is true even if you just bought into the fund at the end of the year, right? Um, and we talked about this a little bit uh, in the recent past when we're talking about um, these, uh, you know, tax changes that are occurring and the, the government trying to uh, jump on ETFs and say, Hey, the fact that ETFs aren't making, uh, these individuals pay for these gains that are being realized within the ETF itself and not, uh, by the particular, uh, investors. Um, that, that's just something that's on the table right now. They're, they're deciding to do that. But if that is going to be the case, uh, then that is going to take away the value of the ETF in investing in a fund uh, where you know you don't have to deal uh, with this taxation and managing the taxes in a way uh, that is a bit more uh, tricky, a bit more contrary to what you may be used to with just your individual stocks. Because with individual stocks, it's just when did you buy it? When are you going to sell it? right? How much has your gain been? How long have you held it? And you can absolutely tell that and all your brokerage firms will let you know, uh, you know, what your cost basis is, how long you've held it, what your long-term gains are, what your short-term uh, gains are, whether those are realized or unrealized. And then um, ultimately you can control what your tax burden is going to be on those individual stocks over time. Okay. Uh, so those are a few pros of holding individual stocks. Um, I would like to add one or two to that. Uh, I think Another pro of holding individual stocks is that quite clearly you can make better returns than the market. And you can do so uh, in a way that's not super tricky and not uh, super off the wall, right? You just have to buy good companies and hold them for a long period of time and allow them to go up in value, right? Um, that, I think that's a, that's a big pro. If we can make more returns, that is an absolute huge pro uh, in that particular way. And then you don't get over diversified, okay? Uh, some of these funds, ETFs, mutual funds, can over diversify you to the point where you don't have, um, you know, the need to have 500 companies, right? You can have uh, just, you know, I think the research shows 25 to 50 uh, individual stocks can get rid of all of the single stock risk associated with those companies, and you're just left uh, with your systematic risk or the risk of the market itself as your total risk profile, right? Um, so there's no need to have that many when it comes to diversification. And you can diversify within your individual stocks, right? You can own 10, 12, 15 of them. Now, I wouldn't push uh, too far past that particular number because, uh, if you own, you know, let's say 30 individual stocks, uh, how are you going to keep up with all 30 of those? How are you going to keep up with 
what those companies are doing, what uh, they're doing to make money, how they are making money, what uh, their news is looking like. It's going to be very, very difficult to keep up with the more that you own. But nonetheless, those are some pros. Let's talk about some cons of holding single stocks. It's harder to achieve diversification, like I just said a moment ago, right? Um, you do have to purchase several different stocks in several different amounts in order to uh, get some you know, semblance of diversification. Now, uh, again, you can be diversified. You can buy things that are not highly correlated with one another. Uh, but if your whole goal is just to buy uh, things that are of value and that will continue to be of value over a long period of time, they may be correlated, right? And people like Mark Cuban have said uh, in the past that diversification is for dummies because um, you know it means you're trying to hedge risk for really no reason, right? If you know what you're investing in, then you should be absolutely fine. So this is a con, right, to holding single stocks that it is harder to diversify, uh, but it can be done. And the more money that you have, the easier it is going to be in order to do so. And I don't think uh, that you should, you know, really dip into individual stocks until you do have some money put into, uh, you know, some ETFs, mutual funds, some of the traditional investments that you can pour into month after month over a long period of time. Okay, so harder to achieve diversification. True. Uh, then the second con of holding single stocks is that achieving this diversification is harder the less money that you have, especially when you start investing, you're subjecting yourself to more risk due to the lack of diversity. And that is very true, right? If you uh, begin your investing life by buying shares of uh, Redfin or buying shares of Roku or buying shares of Zoom, right? You are at the mercy of the volatility of that particular stock. And you can easily be driven out of the market by uh, the fact that that stock's extremely volatile and it can drop by a lot, right? Uh, a lot more than the market itself would drop by over uh, those specific time periods, right? It's going to be a lot more volatility, a lot more risk associated, and you could lose a lot more because uh, you are not properly diversified. You didn't have the money to be properly diversified. That's why I said put some money into some of those traditional diversified type uh, investments, those fund investments first, and then go to uh, investing in individual stocks. Then it requires more time from you to monitor your portfolio. You need to ensure that the companies you're investing in aren't having business problems that could wipe out your bet. You also need to monitor industry and economic trends. Uh, you are your own portfolio manager, so you must spend the time to ensure you are not holding a bad position. And I think this is one of the biggest cons, right? It's one of the biggest things that keeps people from investing in single stocks and one of the biggest things that should keep people from investing in single stocks. Be self-aware. Understand the amount of time that you have to monitor your portfolio. If you don't have adequate time to do the research, don't invest in the companies, right? If you don't think that you will actually keep up with these specific companies and what they are doing and how they're making money and if they're having problems and what the economy is doing, what the industry is doing, then you should not be investing in individual stocks. And that's okay, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Right? And that's what I really want to push. To say that you don't have time to monitor your portfolio in that way is not a negative thing. It's okay, right? We don't have to have um, the ability to monitor our portfolio like that. We can invest in passive uh, funds and just you know move on with our life and still make really good returns over a long period of time. Ultimately, it comes down to the money that you actually put away, not necessarily the fact uh, that you're putting it in single stocks versus uh, fund investments or whatever, right? And then the last uh, and I think here is, uh, again, 
Uh, it kind of rivals uh, the time to monitor your portfolio, but this might be the most important, right? This might be the biggest con. Uh, and the biggest con is you must keep your emotions in check, okay? Uh, it becomes easier to sell a loser or buy a hot stock tip uh, because you can instantly log in and make the trade in minutes, right? Uh, this can increase your fees for trading. Not so much now, but um, you know, essentially it could uh, do so via uh, the price that you receive and can also lock in losses that would have been avoidable by holding something a bit longer. And I think uh, this all has to do with saving you from yourself. Okay, We all think that we may be really good uh, buying individual stocks because if, hey, so-and-so can go make money in it, then I can too. Many of us are disillusioned in that particular way, right? And many of us do not have uh, the emotional maturity to invest in individual stocks because like I said, individual stocks can be all over the place, right? They can be absolutely all over the place and you know you have to sometimes just grin and bear it and understand that your hypothesis is correct. Understand uh, that you know a company falling a long way may be a buying opportunity, not a particular place where uh, you just need to jump ship, right? Um, I think a really good example right now uh, is Zoom, right? We all know what Zoom is. You know, many of us use Zoom for work or school or whatever, right? From its top, uh, nearly a year ago, not quite a year ago, uh, Zoom is down 51% from its high, right? And I wonder. How many people who invested in Zoom in 2020 um, decided they were going to jump ship? Decided that, hey, that's you know too much of a loss for me. I'm not interested in sticking around. I'm out, right? Um, but there are individuals, and I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just saying this is something that I've done. Uh, individuals like myself who take the time and go, okay, a company like this, I like what they do. I think they're good uh, as far as long-term value. They've fallen 51% which may have been warranted based on the high valuations that they have. Uh, let's just buy some. Let's get in. Let's buy some now and then see where we go from here. And I think um, you know that can be a proper mindset to use. But you also have to be aware that it could drop another 51%, right? Uh, but you have to have conviction uh, and not blind conviction, not conviction to the point of doing stupid stuff, but conviction to the point of uh, making some um, just educated guesses, right? Some some educated assumptions. Uh, you have to have conviction about uh, the fact that you did your homework. You read the 10Ks. You read the 10Qs. You, uh, you know, listened to uh, people who, you know, had some commentary on the stock, some news about the stock, whatever, right? And through all of that, you kept your emotions in check, right? You were able to not get too high when the stock was getting high and not get too low when the stock was going low, right? Um, we all make mistakes as far as buying and selling, okay? I'm not saying uh, that your emotions won't lead you to uh, maybe buying a, a little late or selling a little early. Yes, that can absolutely happen, right? Uh, but I don't want you to get into a place where you do buy something of value or you buy a lot of things of value and they just go down in value uh, over the short term, and then you're looking up and you're like, well, I'm selling that because that's not uh, proving to be a good investment and it's two months later or whatever, right? You have to look towards the long term and you have to have conviction in what you're investing in. Peter Lynch talks about uh, in his book, One Up on Wall Street. And those of you who don't know who Peter Lynch is, one of the best mutual fund managers of all time uh, for Fidelity, their Magellan Fund. Uh, and he talks about uh, just about every stock that he decided to buy that ended up being a big winner for him immediately went down after he purchased it. 
right? Uh, he would buy a stock and it would just go down. It would just, you know, lose 5%, lose 10%, lose 30%, whatever, right? Um, and this was a way in which he could prove that keeping your emotions in check is important, right? He had reason to believe that these things had value. He had reason to believe uh, that they would make him money and make his investors money over time, keeps his emotions in check. Now, again, even Peter Lynch, not going to keep his emotions in perfect check, but in enough check uh, to make a lot of money on a lot of these names because he held his conviction, held his positions, and even added to positions as they were down over time, right? And then allowed them to uh, increase in value to the point where um, it, unless the story changed, he was going to continue to hold it. So I do think this is the biggest con. I think this is the biggest negative to investing in individual stocks is that most people out there just don't have the long-term view. They don't have the mindset to invest in individual stocks and do it effectively over a long period of time. And again, most people don't have the time to monitor their portfolio over a long period of time as well. Okay. Now, again, neither of these things are bad. I'm not talking bad about you. I'm just saying uh, that if you want to buy individual stocks, you have to have those things. If not, uh, then it is going to be a long road to hoe for uh, those um, who try to take on individual stocks without uh, the proper characteristics uh, inside themselves. So what should you do? What do I think you should do? Okay, This is not uh, investment advice, but this is uh, what I do. This is how I feel. Uh, and then this is how I think uh, that you can be successful over a long period of time. I think everybody should be putting money into passive funds, right? Into index funds, things that are going to make money over a long period of time that you don't have to think about that you can just pour money into month after month after month after month, right? I think uh, that's just necessary, right? I think that's a good way to kind of hedge your bet on anything else you may invest in and say, hey, regardless, I'm building a nest egg here uh, that over a long period of time has been proven to work. It's been proven to work as an investment strategy and just keep doing that uh, because that can be very valuable. And then if you do have the time to monitor your portfolio and you have uh, the emotional maturity and, and really give yourself um, a, a strict you know, once over or twice over or thrice over uh, about your emotional maturity and your ability to make rational decisions when it comes to uh, the value of a company, buying or selling things, uh, watching your portfolio go down in value a lot, even though that um, representation of value is not realistic, is not what it should be worth, right? And being able to, you know, weather that storm, right? Would you be able to do so? Uh, be very harsh about who you are and exactly uh, what you think you would do in particular situations, right? And if you have that emotional maturity, then by all means, you can pick individual stocks. But we don't want to be day trading. We don't want to be buying on technical indicators. We want to be buying things that have fundamental value, right? That have value that's related to their sales and their earnings and uh, their ability to innovate and their ability to grow over a long period of time, right? Uh, that's what we're interested in with individual stocks. And I will continue purchasing individual stocks, right? I have found myself to understand enough about the stock market to where I am not extremely emotional about short-term losses. I'm not extremely emotional about uh, making some big gains because, you know, big gains do happen too, okay? Uh, and I choose to make time to monitor my portfolio. I choose to make time to do the homework, right? But again, if we cannot do that, uh, then we are going to be in trouble. And again, if you just don't have the financial education uh, to even make any of these decisions in the first place, then you absolutely should not be uh, involved in individual stocks, right? Uh, unless you're doing some small amount of speculation. And what's my rule on speculation? 
uh, first, you need to have at least $10,000 invested in uh, some traditional investing like uh, ETS, mutual funds, real estate, whatever, right? Then you can speculate with no more than 10% of your portfolio. And that's where you can buy things that you haven't done homework on and just think you're going to uh, go to the moon, right? Uh, just some, some short-term speculations can be done there. But other than that, we should not be speculating. We should be investing for the long term, right? That's what we are. We are long-term investors, and that is what suits people best over um, their lifetime, over their um, you know working life and then into their retirement uh, is looking into the future, looking into uh, you know 10 years from now, 20, 30, 40 years from now. Um, I mean, that's how Warren Buffett got rich. I, I'm not saying any of us is Warren Buffett. I'm just saying uh, that Warren Buffett got rich by time, right? Uh, he really didn't blow up as far as being a billionaire until he was actually later in life. I mean, he's in his early 90s now uh, and is worth amazing amounts of money, right? Billions, hundreds of billions of dollars, right? Um, and that's that's a ton of money. But you look back at 60-year-old Warren Buffett, 60-year-old Warren Buffett uh, wasn't what 90-year-old Warren Buffett is, right? And it's because he used time to his advantage, right? He took the long-term view and just played that game all the way and probably will play it all the way to the end of his life, okay? But it is a successful game to play. So can you hold individual stocks Sure. Should you? That's a question you're going to have to answer for yourself. That's a question that we each have to look in the mirror and ask for ourselves. Uh, but ultimately, ultimately, if you just want to make money in the stock market, if you just want to invest, if you just want to um, you know, put money into index funds, put money into your 401k, put money into your IRAs, into index funds over long periods of time and not have to worry about it, guess what? You are going to be successful. Okay? And a lot of the individuals who try to buy single stocks are going to lose to you who didn't do the homework, who did just follow something that was historically accurate uh, and did it time after time after time, week after week, month after month over a long period of time. Right? Most of those individual stock you know, buyers and sellers will lose to you. Right? And that's when you can give them the ha-ha later on. Uh, but nonetheless, we need to be aggressively investing with the amount of money that we put away and we need to be uh, conservative in the fact that we're not just YOLOing our money away uh, in the way we invest, but uh, we need to also be uh, calculated in our risk taking. Take risks, but do so under the calculation of fundamental analysis, of understanding what a company does, uh, of understanding what you own. If you know what you own, you can take away a lot of the ambiguity and you can take away a lot of uh, the emotional responses you can have because a lot of people, uh, they buy or sell things um, you know, in a moment's notice because they don't understand what they're doing. If you understand it, if you understand what it's worth, you'll have a lot better time keeping your emotions in check and you can be a successful owner of single stocks over a long period of time. So hopefully this video helps you to understand uh, single stock ownership and can help you to make a better determination for yourself, whether it's right for you, whether you should be doing it, or if you're currently doing it, whether or not you should continue or not. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media 
media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions. And you and I can begin working together, pushing towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual watching or listening to this show on a day-to-day basis. So tune in tomorrow as I continue talking about personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.